1: Good morning. It is Sunday and time for the rotation, the original cannabis show. Before all those great new shows we have out today, like the 710 show and uh, Ganja Beach, and even before the uh, Cannabis Life Radio, there was the rotation, and it's still here.
2: That's right. I'm actually going to let you keep talking to our crowd while I turn on our... uh lights so we don't have so much glare but keep it going
1: (laughs) that that is why that that is why I'm wearing the shades it's not just because our future is so bright that I have to wear shades but the fact is that (laughs) we got light coming in here and I have to just protect my eyes because I get managed to get some cataract surgery a couple months ago and it's working really good but light tends to be kind of harsh but that's modern medicine and that's the way we things go and Cannabis, of course, is not modern medicine, it's ancient medicine, but it's modern now because we're finding all new sources <clears throat> for it, as well as new treatments being used with cannabis. And it is so important that we continue moving forward. That means we need research. That means we need more scientific papers because, believe it or not, we have <laughs> we have politicians who still believe that the science is out. cannabis and it's not out it's been way way in for a very very long time and we are hoping that we continue to move forward and that is why it is so important as I say before that we have the right people in office because we can do things legislatively as well as through citizen initiatives I don't know if you heard this but this last week Vermont was the second state to actually get a cannabis program put through legislation as opposed to ballot initiative so Vermont is now going to be a a, a, a legal state however it's going to take about a year or so for them to to get everything on track the fact is they're moving forward and Maine this last uh, week actually started uh, selling adult use
2: that's exciting that's really exciting it's a um, push towards the right direction
1: absolutely and that is because of course those folks put the right people into office now we have an election coming up right now, and you have to decide who you want to vote for. And of course the question goes, are you a single issue voter? Do you think that the cannabis issue is so overarching that that is the main reason why you'd vote for somebody? And as much as I'd like (laughs) many of you to be that way, I don't think it's necessarily the right thing because you need to make certain that you have a a rounded candidate who also has other things uh, that you feel are important in mind you can start with the with the cannabis issue and then take a look and see what else they are interested in and make your decision from there I but, agree but make certain that you have a, a good idea as to who you're voting for and it helps to go ahead and take a look at some of the people out there who actually do reviews of the candidates like the League of Women Voters mm-hmm. who really does help especially when it comes to nonpartisan candidates because a lot of folks don't know the judges and things of that sort or what they what they believe in so be sure to check out League of Women Voters. Of course, at uh, Florida Normal uh, or the Suncoast Normal, we do have our, uh, <laughs> our our surveys out right now, trying to get more information on some of the candidates out there. And we know we have a lot of very good candidates on both sides of the aisle who uh, who can further our cause.
2: Nope. give me one second. I'm gonna. Oh, and we're
1: perfect. good. Okay. All
2: right. Um, and I agree. Um, uh, Gary, aren't we making a list of all of the legislators and senators that's right, um, congressmen, right?
1: Yeah, we 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 we, we're looking at the folks on the federal basis and also on the state basis as well, and and the municipal basis too, because we do often have municipalities that put through uh, bills that do concentrate uh, their effects on the the town city county etc and then we of course we have state level laws and then we have federal laws that's kind of crazy but that, that's the way the cannabis is because federally as you know it is still illegal uh, we may change that soon possibly with the new administration not exactly certain if it's going to happen that way but it looks like it's a possibility and we need to, to concentrate on the, uh, the bills that are going through and if you see a bill that somebody is, is putting through once we get forward be sure to contact your congressperson or your representative or your senator and tell them how you feel about it it is so important they hear from you and not just by email I always tell folks if you want to talk to your rep- state representative or state senator or congressperson write them a letter with pencil and paper or pen or print it up on your computer and send it out because they get so few letters as opposed to emails the letters will be will stick out in their mind
2: that's what I was going to say. So, how can they find out where to send those letters to? Just Google it, Google your state representative.
1: Well, like for instance, in Florida, uh, uh, flsenate.gov or uh, myfloridahouse.gov is a good place to go ahead and find out the names and addresses and contact information of, of all the folks who are out there. Now, of course, we are going to have some change in the rank and file after this election, no doubt because some folks have timed out, have termed out so they couldn't even run this session. Other people already won because they had nobody running against them in the other party's primary, and other folks are still up for grabs. And so we need to go ahead and, and take a look and see who's out there. We, I know we have over in Lakeland, uh, a good chance, a gentleman by the name of Jared Garcia, who uh, is, all, is very much in favor of a lot of things that we talk about here. And he is going up against uh, Killebrew, who has been a, a stalwart in the uh, Lakeland area for a very long time, who's conservative and has gone against us in a lot of the uh, bills we've tried to put through in Tallahassee. So those are the kind of things you need to look at. I also found out this last week, and this is interesting, one of, one of our big champions uh, over in Tallahassee is the gentleman from Winter Haven, um, Carlos Guillermo-Smith. Okay. Uh, the the <laughs> Anyways. Uh, I found out this last week that in 2003, he was on Fear Factor. Oh, do you remember that show?
2: Yes. Long time ago.
1: I always thought those people out there were were, were extremely brave and extremely <laughs> and, and or extremely crazy. But I found out that, uh, <laughs> that, it, that these these people, uh, especially Carlos, that they, they actually do face their fears and move forward. You kind of need that in politics nowadays because uh, it's difficult. It is difficult to be a Polish politician these days because well look at what happened in Michigan this last week uh, where we actually had people who opposed uh, governor uh, Whitmer's uh, re- uh, health recommendations and actually had actually had planned on kidnapping her
2: oh wow! I, mean, I didn't even hear about that that's insane
1: well it, it's it's they, they were a radical anarchist group and uh, they they thought that their best best way to handle it was to get rid of government and Uh, for for better or for worse our government right now is who runs this country they are part of this great democratic uh, experiment oh by the way as long as we have you we are on Facebook live right now as well right we
2: we are on Facebook live right now. if you
1: have any questions you want us to answer for you feel free to put it in the comment section and uh, if Yoshi goes ahead and sees the comment we'll we'll discuss it and uh, and bring it forward because I know that there's a lot of things that are on people's minds right now like what the heck is happening well, like for instance, we have what is called the Moore act, which is which has to do with, with not only legalization but also expungement federally and It was put through committee, it passed committee, it was getting ready to go towards a floor vote. they held back on the floor vote, but they inserted the language uh, into one of the stimulus bills, and then they had to back it out because they, they were told in the Senate that they would not go forward if they did that. So what they did do is they put in the text from the Safe Act instead, which allow which will allow banking in the cannabis industry, and that That's is that is huge. very important. I mean, it's it's not it's not legalization, obviously, but it is a step in the right direction because so many good organizations, so many good businesses across the country would really benefit from being able to have banking available. Number one, because you could actually get a loan if you wanted to,
2: right? And not be uh, uh, viewed as just this uh, off the wall, crazy kind of a deal, right? You know what I mean? You go in there and they're like, oh, wait, you know, what do you do? Oh, we sell CBD or we sell cannabis. It's like, oh, it's a huge red flag for them. (laughs) And
1: and, and the whole idea of having to transfer massive amounts of cash, which you have to throw in a a drop safe and have Pinkerton come by and, and, and take it away and all that bit. It, it makes things slightly less safe, of course, because you have so much cash on hand. Right, uh, which is, yeah. Normally, it also it means we, yet that the, the people who have cannabis businesses have to have more security. And that's actually a good thing if you think about it. Uh, when we were going from, from t- town to town and making certain they didn't have moratoriums against dispensaries, one of the questions was asked us, was, does a dispensary in a town make it less safe? And the answer is no, it's exactly the opposite. There were studies that were were being done by uh, University of California, Irvine, which basically stated that because of the fact that there's increased security a lot of times in these dispensaries, that the strip mall or block where you have a cannabis dispensary actually is a safer area.
2: I mean, that that makes sense in in the way that, uh, you know, maybe instead of having to go out and purchase your your stuff out uh, illegally, right, which is – unsafe can be very unsafe um now you can go to the dispensaries and and purchase it there and just have that extra layer of protection
1: exactly and one of the things that i can't stress enough is that although we have survived with the black market being the supplier to, to those who wanted to use us for medicine for so many years black market is not necessarily the, the best place to get something now there are people who do actually Uh, Grow for the black market who are very who very much care about the product that they create But you can't tell who's who right and and that's that, that that's the worst part There are there are geniuses out there who know about cultivation who know about making certain you don't use insecticides and other things that might make your 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 medicine not as good for you because there's poisons inside of it
2: Well, have you heard about the whole spraying deal that they're doing now with the with the cannabis in the black market uh, I don't know if you've heard of it, but that, they,
1: that one's a new to me.
2: Really? Okay. So what's happening is that they, um, you know, they'll take, uh, the flower and let's say it's not as potent in THC. So then they get distillate and spray it. Ah, how lovely on the flower. Can you believe that? Well,
1: see, here, here's, here's the thing, folks. I hate to sound like Biden because he uses that expression all the time, but I keep on hearing it all the time on, on the news, but the, the point is, is, that this plant is a very complex plant and from the very beginning it knew what it was doing long before we did
2: so and that
1: thing called the entourage effect which means Mm -hmm. there's a distinct balance in the plant between the cannabinoids and the terpenes and in the amounts that they're in there so that it works properly as medicine and to say that we know exactly how it's going to work by adding a little this and adding a little that that's it's kind of like uh
2: yeah playing god or you know trying to be a scientist in a I the mean,
1: My garage. hats off to the cultivators out there who for years have been working on creating new hybrids for us, making it more medicinal, making it more potent for, for certain conditions and things of that sort. Because they've done some amazing things, but they've done it through the natural progression of how plants hybridize and how they cross-pollinate and things of that sort. And so they created, and they, they kept the genetics clean after that. And it goes on from generation to generation you've got a good solid consistent product which has good solid consistent results as medicine and I can't stress enough that we do have a medical program and we are concerned for the patients because they are the primary concern in which we have almost four hundred and thirty thousand uh, patients here in the state of Florida Wow which makes us having more patients than, than four or five of the legal states combined
2: Wow, that's amazing. I'm um, I'm actually curious, Gary. What kind of programs, educational programs, are in place in Florida for people like to take a course or something regarding cannabis, medical med- um, medicinal cannabis, and what what kind of certification is out there for them to? get more education on it or is there any
1: there's no there's no salad across the board certification where each class has to have a certain level of a certification but each company creates their own certification in regards to what they feel that the students need to know there are there are cannabis universities one in or in orlando we have oaksterdam all the way over there in california okay and we and we here as far as uh patient information I would also recommend the, uh, the Mary uh, program, which is a medical marijuana educational resource initiative out of FAMIU, which was actually uh, funded by that money that you pay for those licenses. $10 from each one of those goes to that program to help educate those folks, especially in regards to the impact on minorities uh, in regards to cannabis.
2: Right, and and that's, um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to take all that information down so that we can share it with the, with our Public, right. right?
1: And we, and I believe that uh, over here at uh, Southern Coast Normal, we do also have a sponsor who uh, puts on me- uh, medical cannabis programs, which teaches you about the medicine, teaches you where you can get your your medical card, and things of that sort.
2: Amazing, yeah. I mean, I know that there's a lot of um, questions out there, like for example, uh, trans. Okay, the medical side, but tr- also transitioning into the cultivation side. Uh, how is that looking in the state of Florida for?
1: Well, cultivation is an art. I'll, 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 I can tell you that we tried it uh, in my uh, fraternity house by putting foil around the sides of a closet and throwing up some uh, fluorescent <laughs> lights and hoping that we figured out exactly how much water to use and what how much nutrients to use when they didn't actually have any nutrients packages like they have nowadays, that you could that is specifically made for, for cannabis or for hydroponics and things of that sort things have gotten so much more sophisticated. And it's because they took a look at the plant and, and at, tried to think about what were the needs of the plant as opposed to the other way around. That's not a matter of what we need, what the plant needs. And if, if you go from that standpoint and, and think like the plant and, and what, figure, figure out what it needs to grow, how long does the vegetative st- uh, phase have to be? H- how soon do you get into the flowering stage? Do you wanna use self flowering seeds? All these things are out there that, y- that will help you grow proper seeds. Now people are saying they want to have home grow I get you it's a hell of a lot less expensive than having to buy uh, the stuff at the that the, uh, the dispensaries and spend anywhere between I think the lowest price I've seen in, in, uh, in Florida is like $24 an eighth all the way up to like $90 an eighth depending on, on which place you go to which strain you go to and of course you, got, you need to make certain that uh, whatever you buy you get your value it's not a matter of just saying well I like the name of it because some of the names are really cute, but they don't really tell you exactly how good of a plant it is.
2: Right, because um, different different plants offer different kind of uh, benefits to our right body, and it's going to work diff- differently, right? Like right. Um, there's so much research still to be made on cannabinoids, right?
1: Now, I would recommend to a lot of folks, if they're interested in knowing what strain does what, to go to the Leafly, that's L-E-F-L-Y, who by the way is not a sponsor of this show and has not given us any money to say their name. Uh, but they ha- have on their website a way to be able to have a look at strains and they see a lot about what they are, what they do, what, what the cannabinoid what the mixture is, what the terpene mixture is, and, and what is best for that kind of situation. Now, of course, We here in Florida only have the stuff that's grown in Florida. So naturally you may not see all the strains that are out here, especially if they're new and they haven't had a chance to be reviewed yet.
2: Right. Because um, it just depends that that same strain can grow a certain way here in Florida and then it'll grow a completely different way in a controlled environment or in another state.
1: That's true. I mean, and now naturally it is illegal to, to transport cannabis plants uh, across state lines seeds somehow make it into florida and the and sometimes we we get people who uh mmtc's who actually get their clones from california but the question is are those clones exactly what they say they are and if they are do they will they grow the same way over here in florida when you have a different microclimate and that 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 can actually change the plant itself. Right. I mean, famously, uh, the folks who came here, the conquistadors back in the 1500s, they brought over hemp plants, which they called cañaba. Yeah. Uh, But they grew it in northern Spain. (laughs) And that is obviously a whole different climate. So when they brought it here to Southern California, Northern Mexico, the the climate was so much warmer that the plant itself changed and actually became far more uh, resinous uh, at the flower and so therefore it, it was growing the, the, uh, the flower that we know of it that has the terpenes and the trichomes and things of that sort that the hemp plant itself didn't have when it was in Spain so they were actually cutting the flowers off letting it hit the ground well luckily uh, the uh, the Aztec shaman saw the, those flowers on the ground picked them up and said this is medicine they, they were able to tell just from the scent that this is this, this something special
2: That's amazing. I love your history and their knowledge with the history of the plants. And it's exciting. I mean, more people um, need to know the history of it because hopefully we can learn from it. And
1: And, uh, for those of you who haven't heard the story before, because I like telling it anyway, people often ask where where the the, the term marijuana comes from. Yes. Okay. Well, the ancient Chinese name for, uh, for cannabis was ma. And they used the term mahrenhua, which means uh, uh, flower seed uh, bud, I believe. And uh, the whole point of it is that that was what they used to call it, mahrenhua. We had a lot of Cantonese people working on the railroads and things of that sort in the 1800s. And they came across the uh, the mestizos and the the Mexican people were working uh, in the fields and things of that sort in Southern California, Northern Mexico, and they recognized the flower. (laughs) <laughs> they they 've seen it before because it had been used in China for almost two thousand years at that point in time, and yeah. so they, they looked at it and they said Ma well but the the folks there the the uh, the mexican uh, folks out there they couldn't pronounce it quite well, so they made up a word that sounded come somewhat like it, so marenoix sounds like marijuana
2: it sure does wow, that's so interesting
1: also there was another uh herb which which we call Chinese oregano or or marjoram. And the Spanish word for that is uh, "majarana." Oh, so, so very those close. kind of things kind of put it together, yeah.
2: Wow, amazing! And
1: of course, it became in common use, uh, and so therefore, it's, it, along with uh, "mota" and other other the other expressions out there, are the words that we often use for for cannabis.
2: And and I think we talked about it in a few episodes back. What the importance of knowing the history of the word. And how to use it because of um, its negative, like connotation.
1: Yeah, and also we should we need to understand the history in regards to how this thing became, uh, prohibited, because they used not uh, yellow journalism as they used to call it, where or, or or you want to call it nowadays fake news.
2: Well, it, I heard a story recently. Something about um, there was a, a competition between paper and hemp. Mm -hmm. paper and so they just started printing out like bad news about the hemp is that right am i right
1: that that's probably true yeah uh william randolph hearst he owned a a chain of newspapers in san francisco he also owned a ton of timberland and one of the main uh, uh, products that comes from timber of course is paper Mm -hmm. and it was it was known that if you make paper from hemp and by the way the first paper in the history was actually made from hemp it was not made from wood first It was actually invented by a Chinese accountant, approximately 1500 BC, that did not want to take all of his uh, accountant books on wooden blocks. And so they used the hemp plant to create the first paper.
2: And like, that's amazing. So if you really think about it, how long does it take for these timber trees to grow?
1: You're talking about anywhere between twenty and thirty years to, to, to get the full uh, yeah to full growth, and whereas hemp can grow a 22 foot stock in six months and it's, and it's renewable and it, it, it quickly and, and moves on from there and so therefore obviously the paper industry and the timber industry saw it as a threat, and so they gave money to the folks who were working on, on making it illegal, along with uh-huh. the folks who were, who were working on fibers like du- DuPont which was a French family that, that invented nylon, among other things. And they realized that hemp fibers were also a, a, a competitive threat to them as far as, as, as their products are concerned. And so the DuPont family also gave money to, uh, to Harry Anslinger and those folks to work on making it illegal in the United States. And wow. they used racism as a, as a main uh, way of, of, of moving the law, the law forward.
2: You're driving it forward. Yeah, because oh. believe it or
1: not, even back at the turn of the century, they were saying that there are people coming across the border to take our jobs. <laughs> it was, it was happening then. Of course, a lot of folks were actually fleeing the uh, Mexican civil war at that point in time and looking for work in the United States. And so they found our agricultural jobs. And yet it, it came out there that there are people, caravans of folks coming up from the South who were looking to take it, to take our jobs that nobody else was actually using, even during the Dust Bowl, that kind of situation. So. They, they, and then, of course, during the Dust Bowl, the, the jobs were much more competitive.
2: Blows my mind.
1: <laughs> so it, it, was an, it was anti-Chinese, it was anti-Hispanic, uh, and on the East Coast, it was anti-African-American, especially anti-Caribbean, uh, Afro-Caribbeans as well, where, where they, they felt that this, they could go ahead and make it illegal by saying that these folks were coming after your women and that kind of situation.
2: Oh, my goodness, instilling fear even that way. I mean, I've i heard a documentary about that, how they would say, oh, it, they're going to think freely or more free-spirited, and they'll just take her away from you. <laughs> and
1: the, there were people who knew that a lot of it was bull. And one of the folks that knew it was uh, the mayor of New York, Fiorella LaGuardia, who in 1944 commissioned a report to find out what was the impact of cannabis in New York. And they found out that basically it was Basically sequestered to the to the Harlem area, and it was the 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 uh, the Caribbean folks there. It was not involved with organized crime whatsoever, Hmm. and did not pose a threat to the average person. And of course, the uh, the government uh, who wanted to keep it illegal at that point in time uh, were very much against the 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 Guardi report, but it still stands as a testament to the fact that there were people who were trying to fight for this to be legal plant even back then, even after nineteen thirty seven. When it became illegal as a tax act.
2: Oh my goodness! I mean, you 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 see so many states benefiting so much from this uh, uh, industrial revolution. I guess you can you know what I mean. It's like <laughs> a it's like the new in in the industry, right? Colorado's doing really well. I know, um, like places like Kentucky, they're doing really well with their hemp programs and things like that, and cannabis programs as well. Um, what do you what do you think it would do for us as a society if it was uh you know legal across the board and
1: well one of the things that would definitely happen is that the black market would pretty much go away because if people have access to good solid high quality cannabis that is of good price because they're in a competitive market there's no reason to go to the black market and buy what we call a pig in a poke which is basically you get, it, you get what, you, uh, what you pay for sometimes, <laughs> even though you have no idea what that is. I, <laughs> I mean, I, I make the joke that when I first started looking for, uh, for cannabis for my wife, who had glaucoma, uh, I went and talked to this young man who my, my daughter knew, and I said, what strains do you have? He says, I have two. I have what I, I, what I have and what you're getting, <laughs> and, you can, and, you, and you can choose between the two. And, of course, there was a sticker on there that had a picture of Snoop Dogg on it, and I said, is this, what strain is this? And he said, it's the one inside the carton. <laughs> so, <laughs> so a lot of, they're not as knowledgeable. That's not, not enough
2: a, education. Not right? enough
1: education. Well, can you, also the like fact that these are dealers. Right. And they're not here just to, to sell the cannabis out there. They can they're also going to sell you whatever else they have in their back pocket, be it Xanax or <laughs> or, or opioids or uh, MDMA or whatever else that they want to, to push at that point in time. And that, by the way, is the only reason that cannabis is considered a gateway drug, and that is because when you buy it from the black market, they're going to want to push these other uh, medications on you that you probably not, not, might not necessarily want. But they'll throw it in gift with purchase, and then once you get hooked on it, they'll go. They know you'll come back as a repeat customer, kind of thing, because so, it's far more uh, addictive than cannabis is.
2: So you're saying, okay. So what about you? You've been in. I don't have my medical card, so oh, tell me about your experience in like the dispensaries. Are they what the the Are they called bud tenders is that correct
1: they still call them bud tenders although sometimes they, they call them health experts or outreach outreach experts i've heard of different different names being used from the people behind the counter my own opinion is that anybody behind that counter should have some kind of certification either from an mmtc or possibly from the state to prove that they are educated enough to be able to tell you what this medicine is what it does I what don't programs? think at any point in time you should go into a dispensary and say, "I've got terrible cluster headaches. I've got a, I've got problems with my digestion. I've got problems with with, with, with with my mom has has Parkinson's. What do you suggest?" And they say, "Well, oh, this one will give you a nice buzz, or this one will, will help you sleep at night because it gives you a nice buzz for that." And that is not a medical program,
2: right? So, is there a place where the dispensaries are sending their? Um bud tenders or health experts to get educated? Or, well, I'll be honest, how does that work?
1: I have not heard of any, I'm not saying they don't exist, but at this point in time, everybody seems to be doing their educationally, education for their bud tenders uh, internally. Okay, so. So that means that there's no, there's no standard across the board as far as right. what those people behind the counter should know.
2: So as far as like Florida and legislation in Florida, there isn't a program where like for example, I know with insurance, I used to do insurance, right? You have to get uh certified by the um by the state in order to get that, that license. You're saying there isn't anything like that in Florida for
1: not as health not as yet, but I think that uh, if you guys are interested in doing it, we can go ahead and, and put through a bill that would kind of recommend that. Although at this point in time, rather than having a bill to make it happen and have it making it happen through law, I think it would be best. The MMTCs. Take take a stand and and put through some kind of cooperative uh, educational program for the bud tenders that gives some kind of equivalency from one M M T C to the other to make certain that they, like you could go in there and say our bud tenders are approved through such and such.
2: And uh. what's the M M T C for those who don't know the term?
1: Okay, sorry for those people it's who are, okay. who are, who are, are t- tuning in from outside the Sunshine State. We call our dispensaries MMTCs because it came from the Amendment 2 in 2016, or medical marijuana treatment centers. Before that, in the previous program that was strictly the below uh, THC program, they were called DOs or dispensing organizations. Okay. And they, so they, they changed that from something that actually sounds like dispensary to MMTC in part because they wanted to inculcate that this is a medical program, and so therefore these are medical marijuana treatment centers, and therefore you go in there. And of course, for those people, again, who don't know, we do have a vertical mandate at this point in time uh, in Florida where the c- people who sell the cannabis have to grow it, mm-hmm. process it, package it, and deliver it. Right. And
2: but it seems like it ends right there because then when you get to your health expert or the bud tender and you say, hey, I've got a migraine or you know, my, my mom has Parkinson's, like, what can I give her? And then it's like, well, it gives you a good buzz.
1: What? <laughs> I mean, and most oh, of these fine. MMTCs, they have the expertise in-house. They have people who know the answers to these things, especially in, in the folks who work with cultivation, who, who've known the plant for many, many years. And they could actually teach the people at, 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 behind the counter.
2: Yeah, I think it's necessary because I've actually talked to some people of the community that say, yeah, you know, I went into a dispensary here in uh, Tampa, Florida, right? That's where we're at. And um, and they, uh, they said, oh, wow, this is such a beautiful medical center. Everything's, you know, very, it feels like a medical center, right? The lobby. And then when they got up to the health expert or the bud tender, it was like, I don't know how to, I don't want to insult anybody, but it was more like the heady kind of. <laughs> what do you want? it's like, no, that's just going to deter when we've worked so
1: hard. And, and, and legislators who are trying to work against us and other organizations like uh, Drug Free, Free Manatee, which is supposed to be working on the opioid crisis, which for some reason decided to go ahead and try to go after the, 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 the cannabis industry instead, which I thought was a bad move because they, they really do need to work harder on the opioid crisis that the oh, that cannabis is concerned. But they've always used these pictures of, you know, a bud tender with uh, a hat with flaps over the ears, or or, <laughs> or 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 the dreads, or whatever they want to use as their own uh, particular stereotype.
2: And almost seems like it's like discrediting, right? It's like they've done so much with the vertical integration in the business from seed to sale, right? They have mm-hmm. to know every part of it. But yeah, I mean, the more training for the for the bud tenders, right, and then also. Obviously, this is something that I'm passionate about, is educating them on explaining it in two languages. Mm-hmm. For example, Spanish. That would help. Right? Because there's a whole.
1: And even our folks in South Florida, you need to have some more some more Creole because our, our Haitian neighbors who, who live there Really, yes. really could use a little bit more translation because a lot of them do have a fair amount of English, but not a, not, not enough English to be able to understand scientific principles and health principles. Right. So, therefore, I would I would suggest you have at least one Creole person. And one other thing I would recommend, and this is in partly because I happen to live with a woman with uh, with visual impairment, I think it's important that they actually have labels that. People who are blind can actually read, like for instance, braille labeling, oh, so that that's so if beautiful. they have if they have a jar in their hand, they'll know what what the strain is without having to guess, or, right? Or, and that kind of situation. So we would like to see more braille labeling as well as multi uh, multilingual. Multilingual, there.
2: you know, the Vietnamese. There's a there's a huge Vietnamese, right? Um, Absolutely. Community, um, all languages. Like, yeah. like you said, definitely. That's.
1: So we, so we need to work along those lines and mm-hmm. try to, to move forward so that we have more outreach for everybody out there, because this is a plant which everybody could use.
2: Absolutely, and and what kind of research is being done in Florida for all the other cannabinoids and terpenes and benefits? Maybe that's for another day, but. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, again, the, the basic problem with research has been, uh, and my, uh, my, my good friend Sue Sisley out there over in I think Arizona, uh, has been was working on a project now for oh, over a decade in regards to cannabis and PTSD for veterans and the only source that she had for research uh, product came out of the University of Mississippi and they would take the this cannabis which was as often people would call it mid-grade cannabis mm-hmm. and they would often freeze-dry it and ground it and sometimes it had mold in it things of that sort of it was not a a good steady product to be able to use it was not research grade let's put it that way and you always want to have something of of a certain amount of purity if you're going to do research because you want to make certain that you're not testing to see what impurities do that's that's important to have
2: right exactly do you think that maybe the MMTCs should be the ones doing the research on it, since they're already now? Not
1: really, because it is hard. It is very, very hard to run a vertically integrated business. Because of the fact you do have to do everything from seed to sale. That it would be like Nabisco having to grow their own wheat and and only be able to uh, create the product in their own state and not be able to transfer it across state lines. That is basically what we have right now. It's insane. And to have a Nabisco organization in every single state so that everybody has can have cookies and bread or crackers is insane. But that is the way it is. I mean, we do have edibles now here in the state of Florida. Oh, yay. yay! It only <laughs> took three years. Congratulations, DOH. It was good to see that uh, the Department of Health finally got those rules going. A Little late, but better than, better than never, right? And here we are. And now that we have contracts from excellent edible companies from across the country coming here on contract with the MMTCs, but they can't bring the product they grew that they created in California and ship it over here. They have to come to this state. They have to have the product given to them that was grown here, and they have to create a facility to be able to make the product here in this state. So it's not a matter of being able to just make your product in California and ship it across the country. You have to make it right here with product that was made, that was grown right here. And so they have to work with the MMTCs with, with the stuff that they are growing and possibly give them some guidance as to what particular strains they want in their own products. Because a lot of folks, uh, like like Juana, is very very good in regards to can being concerned about what goes into their products to make certain they have the most excellent product that goes out there
2: yeah I mean and then it's also interesting too because um, the edibles are gonna activate other parts of your receptors yeah and right?
1: right now 50% of all the sales right now is flour and they expect that edibles will probably end up being around 30 to 35% of sales as well Wow and so so this is gonna be a big chunk of. of uh, of income for a lot of these MMTCs, so that's why a lot of them want, are pushing forward to get the best edibles out there, and, and some of them are really, really nice. Uh, I am looking for other companies to come in here, like 1906, who said they are going to come earlier, but they, I guess, they wanted their own license, so I'm not certain they're here yet. Uh, you, mm-hmm. you, you guys can tell me if I'm wrong here, but we have a bunch of fantastic companies. Uh, I know the ones that, that work with True Leaf, like uh, Bahang and um, and Binsky, excellent, excellent. The only thing, of course, I would miss, of course, is Binsky's great labels, because they have this beautiful, colorful labels. And here, in the, here in this state, all edibles must be in plain white packaging. Oh, that's in part to make certain that they don't. It looks like they're not and candy. Um, yeah they're not promoting edibles to kids because kids like candy and a lot of them are chocolate and and candies and things of that sort and, and edibles that, that kids would eat as well. And so therefore make it as, as the packaging as bland as possible. And therefore it, it seems less likely they'll be selling it to kids. But be honest with you, I think kids are a little smarter than that. you, uh, if it doesn't look like a Mr. Good bar and it says Mr. Good High, they, 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 they know what they're talking about. And I, I am a little concerned about the nerd ropes out there because they look exactly like nerd, nerd ropes, ropes. Mm-hmm. and you have to be careful because if that that gets in the wrong hands, that's the wrong thing. Right. That's why in California they're making certain that they they stop using all labeling that looks like other people other companies' labels because it is not only plagiarism or trademark or intellectual property theft, but it, it sends the wrong message.
2: Right. Okay. Well, Gary, it looks like um, we're about thirty eight minutes in. Are there
1: how the time has flown I
2: know. okay
1: well now we got to go ahead and go into our commercial in regards to membership here
2: memberships
1: and, yes. and, and that's kind of like your, your your bugaboo so why don't you go ahead and tell people how they can become members of Suncoast normal and be part of the change
2: yes please go to Suncoastnormal.org normal org and um, subscribe become a member um, we'll give you up-to-date uh, information on legislation laws that are right Gary here will help us out with that keep, yeah. keeping us up to date with that but um if you if you want to just get involved and and and, and help this movement or we'll really we would really appreciate your help and you know we need all the help we can get and so. we
1: do have a number of bills that we're gonna be pushing through uh, that will help out this program like for instance the patient protection which uh, which allows to make you to to have your medicine in institutions who might take your medicine away because they feel that they don't want it on their premises oh. or the employee protection bill which prevents people from not from losing their job or not getting a job because they have a medical card.
2: Oh yeah, that that sounds horrible. Because
1: too. we believe that a person should be evaluated on their performance and not whether or not they have a medical card because for oftentimes having a medical card and having access to this medication is the reason they're back to work and increase before this, they they, they may have been very sick and not able to work.
2: Right. Increases their quality of life.
1: And also increases the quality of work in some instances.
2: Exactly. I mean, if you don't feel good, then how can you perform?
1: And there's some very valuable, valuable people out there who need this as medicine. Who may not even be using it during the week and only be using it on weekends to go ahead and treat themselves but the important thing is this medicine help them get back to work this medicine helps them get get a paycheck make pay taxes and be part of society
2: yeah i mean i had an, a nurse say why is it that you can be prescribed let's say xanax right and it's okay but if you use marijuana once you can lose your job in your career.
1: I love this commercial where this guy has a hard hat on and he's talking about how he has opioid constipation. And I'm thinking to myself, the guy's working in construction and he's using opioids. Is there anybody oh. else concerned about this particular situation? <laughs> Sounds like my mean, ability. the constipation I think should be your least, least of your problems. <laughs> if you've got a, if you've got an employee who, who may be knocked out on opioids during the day, because there are side effects involved that, you don't necessarily want your employees to have, but these people are not going to be necessarily canned right away, even if they're using, uh, <laughs> even they're using opioids, with their hard hat on, right? <laughs> that kind of situation, and other bills we have going on, of course, is tourist reciprocity. People come to Florida on the vacations uh, because this is a vacation spot, and our tourism has been crippled this last year because of COVID. And when things start to open up and people are gonna wanna come back here, we're gonna want them to come back here. And if somebody is ill, they will either try to sneak their medicine in with them or they just won't go. And we want people to come to Florida. And so we suggest this tourist reciprocity bill, which allows folks
2: who have a medical
1: card from their state to come here and make a one-time purchase at one of our dispensaries here to make sure that they have the medicine for them because you can't bring your medicine across state lines. So buy it here, uh, support the MMTCs here with the tourist reciprocity bill. And I hope the other MMTCs will support me on this because we could use the tax dollars too.
2: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I think that's a great idea. I mean, can you imagine what that would do to tourism?
1: well, the, the bill itself uh, charges a one-time $10, which is not very much fee, to go ahead and have this pass that allows you to go to, disp- to a dispensary with your out-of-state card and purchase what you need at that point in time. And just the, based on the number of uh, people who come here to vacation every year and the percentage of those folks who may be medical cannabis patients, this could easily pay for the Visit Florida program to the tune of about $70 million in revenue oh for gosh. just just for those ten million their tickets to allow tourists to come here and enjoy the sunshine state and be able to use the medicine so that grandma who's got Parkinson's can have her medicine on hand yeah. or or your daughter who has severe migraines is not gonna end up sitting with a wet towel over her head when she goes to Disney World.
2: That was me yesterday.
1: <laughs> it L- does happen. Literally
2: I had a migraine and a wet towel over my head.
1: And of course <laughs> another bill that we got going is the Home Grow Bill which will create what is called cultivation centers where you can uh, have a space inside of a container where you have expertise in helping you grow your own product. And yes. and because of the fact it's in a contained situation, they can count how many plants you have and how much you harvest. And so that'll keep the folks in Tallahassee happy. Mm-hmm. And that will allow you to be able to home grow whatever strain you want. And, and some of those boutique strains that may be made grown in those cultivation centers can be sold on consignment to MMTCs. So, that, so other people can have access to those boutique strains as well.
2: I love this, I love all of it, <laughs>
1: So great. if you wanna be part of the change, yes. we are gonna be pushing these bills again, and as soon as we know exactly who's gonna be in office and on November 3rd, we're, we're, we're gonna to get to work as far mm. as getting these in the hands of the legislatures who wanna to support, to, to sponsor them, and we are gonna need your help because every voice lifts our boats, so to speak, as far as getting these bills passed. Yes. So by all means, subscribe to being a member yes Suncoast normal you not only get this really really nifty pin but you also get to be part of the change
2: yes it's and, so when, important. and
1: we will have events coming up when we can have events again uh, including People
2: are starting to trickle in you know? yeah Right. Are so I mean,
1: we, we had a lot of things that were already planned before this whole thing went down in regards to uh, an, an infused CBD dinner where you could oh get gosh, information so on, on, on how you can cook with it and what, what the health benefits are and what fantastic things you can taste and, and understand uh, that, that can be done with CBD at this point in time. Yes. So we, we're, we're, we have a lot of things on our plate, and we're more than happy to share that plate with you. Become a member. Be part of the change.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
1: This has been The Rotation, and you have been a part of it. You can be a bigger part of it by joining Suncoast Normal. Suncoast Normal is an organization that can help you make the change that we all need. Go to the Suncoast Normal website and become a member because
0: that is how you become part of the change. You can find the Rotation podcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes, but you can always join us in the rotation at suncoastnormal.org. At that very website, you can join the cannabis movement by becoming a member of Suncoast Normal, gain access to cannabis events, Cannabis Info, Normal's legal network, and even a free membership to National, all by joining Suncoast Normal. That website, again, is suncoastnorml.org. You can also find us on social media, at Suncoast Normal. Uh, find us on both Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you, Gary, and good night. Good night.